Right after Easter, we began a new series. It's called The DNA of Good Relationships. I really think that having good relationships with other people, whether or not those people are in the family of God or outside the family of God, those relationships are really the key to life. And the more Christ-like we are, I believe the better relationships that we're going to have with other people. And because relationships are so important and because the closest relationship that you can have on earth with another person is through marriage, I've invited the lovely Lisa Sweeney to join us this morning. So uh, she's going to be sharing this message today. Uh, As I said, this is week number three. So I know you guys have a great memory. I'm sure you could probably spout off all the points of week number one and all the sermon points in week number two, but just let me, uh, indulge me for a moment and and let's just review a little bit where we've been to get to this point today to to talk about safety in relationships, how to become a safe person. In week number one, we talked about relationships and it says that life is all about relationships. The rest is just details. We talked about the most important thing on earth are not things. The most important thing on earth is people. People are the ones that are created in God's image. People are the ones that are going to live forever. So they need to be the most important thing uh, on this earth that we treasure above uh, all else except for God himself. So we all have uh, relationships. We want to improve the relationships that we have. Life is all about relationships. And we all have the ability to make choices. We make choices every single day. That's a gift from God. Some people think it's a curse from God because, oh, I have to be responsible for the choices that I make. Yes, we are responsible for the choices that we make, but God gives us the ability to choose. He also says on the positive side, you make good choices, you make good decisions, and God is going to bless us for that. So that's a real plus. So... And then the third part about week number one is you're made to, re- to take responsibility for yourself. Nobody can make me do something uh, or, or make me say or think or believe something that I don't want to think. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So we are made to take responsibility. Now, this, this fourth point, I think, is really the key because lots of bad things happen to good people. Lots of stuff happens in your life that you didn't plan for, that you didn't wish upon yourself, that you, you know, hope that, that never touches your door, and yet sometimes bad things happen. But I always try to remember point number four. It doesn't matter what happens to you by people or circumstances. It's what you think about what happens to you that really matters. It's what you think about. It's how you perceive it that makes the big difference in how you're going to respond in your life. Just a simple illustration. Driving the other day on, on the, the highway, whether it was Highway 12 or maybe the 101, and you're getting on the freeway and, or, or you're trying to make a lane change or you're in the middle of traffic and somebody cuts you off. You know, what is your first reaction when somebody cuts you off? Is it to get angry? Is it to get mad and say, how dare you? How dare you enter my space? How dare you violate the sanctity of my space here in this highway? You know, you get mad. It does, are you ready to boil over in anger at the drop of a hat when some, it, just if somebody cuts you off? No. Or, I hope not, right? 
I hope the reaction that you could have is, is, oh boy, you know, so glad I just barely avoided an accident. Lord, thank you for giving me my senses and my ability to react in time. And I don't know what's going on with that other person, but God help them. They must be really stressed out or in a hurry, or maybe they got blind spots, but Lord, help them as they go on their way and keep them safe. You know, same event happened, but two very different reactions. So it's not just about what happens to you, it's about what you think about what happens to you that really matters. That's the key to week number one. Life is all about relationships. In week number two, we're talking about the real problem or the problem behind the problem, right? We talked about doing the fear dance. You know that dance, that four-step, terrible, dangerous, box-step dance that leads to destruction in relationships? You know, the dance where we have our, you know, we get hurt by something that somebody says or does, and then we have this want, I want to be loved, I want to be respected, I want to be validated, I want to be connected to the other person. So how do we get that want fulfilled? Well, we have this fear that says, maybe I'm not a lovable person, maybe I'm not worthy of respect, maybe I don't measure up, maybe I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not worth anything to somebody else, and I'm, I'm always going to be disconnected. We have that fear. And then the fourth step is we have this reaction based upon our fear, and it's usually an ugly reaction, trying to get the other person to give us what we need, but instead we end up hurting that other person, and we start the ugly dance in them, and then they hurt, and then they want, and then they fear, and then they react back to us, and the next thing you know, we're in a bad relationship. Sometimes the external problem isn't the real problem. The real problem, the core problem, is my fear. And because all of us have these core fears, all of us intuitively know how to do the fear dance, you know? It's based upon our hurts and our wants and our fears and our reactions. And the the fourth point is don't expect the other person to be the solution, you know? If she would change, if he would change, if he would just be different, if she would just transition to the person that I want her to be in my image, then life would be good, right? So we always expect, well, if the other person would do the changing, my life would be happy. Don't expect the other person to be the solution. You be the solution. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you do that successfully, day by day by day, we can break, and this is the hope that we have in the DNA of good relationships, we can break the rhythm of the fear dance. Here's lesson number one. You will get challenged in that very relationship. (laughs) We will go through the exact trials. Yes, we don't have time to tell all the stories of what happened this last week because God will challenge you. Do I, in and of myself, have the power to break the fear dance? I don't. I could just say period, drop the mic and go home. But that is not the God that we serve. God has the power to break the fear dance. So there's scriptures that we're going to turn to and we're going to look at. Scriptures that we have to depend on to break that fear dance for us. And yes, it is possible, even for me. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Proverbs 23, 7. Whatever a man sows in his mind, because this is where it starts, and then in his heart where it goes to next, that will he also reap. What you put in is exactly what's going to come out. Galatians 6, 7, and then the capstone of this series, truly. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not less than yourself, not more than yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mark 12, 30 and 31. So that in everything that we do, we will do to others what we would want them to do to us. Matthew 7, 12. With the power of God and his scripture, that's the only way that we have the power to break the fear dance. And it needs to be broken if we want healthy and right relationships. When Jim started speaking, I started thinking about all the things that go through your head are crazy. So he's doing the fear dance and he's going, okay, if she would just be different and then I can do it over here. If he would just be different. We're not dancing together. We're dancing apart because he's going this way and I'm going this way, hoping that he's going to change and he's hoping that I'm going to change. After 33 years, we would not be standing up here together telling you we're still married. It won't work that way. It's impossible. And yes, it's impossible on our own strength, but nothing, nothing is impossible with God. We have to first begin to tear down the walls and break the steps and the rhythm of that fear dance. And we can do it. We can do it when we take self-responsibility. Now, I had to put that self in there. Grammatically, you don't have to, but it needs to be there. I need to take responsibility for myself. I need to say, if what I'm doing is causing him to go this way and I don't like it, and what he's doing is causing me to do my fear dance this way and I don't like it, I need to take responsibility for me. I need to own what is it that's making him go that way. In all of our relationships, we need to look at it like that. Now, after a long relationship with Jim, it's easier for me to go to him and talk to him and say, what is it? You're going one way. I'm going another way. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be together, so let's work on it. But in other relationships, much harder. My neighbor? Okay, so Jim shared with you. This was just perfect the way God does this. Jim shared with you a couple weeks ago about loving your neighbor as yourself. We've got these neighbors that we really love. We have grown in the last year and a half to adore them. And they have parties, big parties. Jim told you about that. They'll have the big tents and the big bands and the big speakers. And they literally sit right by our bedroom window. So last night, I am praying and reading over my notes and going, okay, God, I can do this. And I look out and it's dark over there. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, thanks God they're not having a party tonight I knew that's what you wanted and pretty soon I hear papoom 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 and I, nothing's worse than that I don't care if they do their mariachi bands I don't care what they do I'd rather hear that than papoom papoom and my walls feel like they're vibrating and my brain can't get it out of my head and I'm reading these scriptures and I got to tell you that this is one of the best parts of our marriage Jim's doing this Jim's gone. He didn't care. Jim's gone. He doesn't study in bed. He can't. He hits the pillow. He's asleep. I am literally going seriously. And the joy of the Lord. And I hear papoom, papoom, papoom. And then you think, oh, I prayed and God turned it off. And yeah, she's here this morning. No, 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 no. It got worse. 
They piped up the karaoke. And I and they were bad. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is not nice, but I thought at least you could sing. Not on exactly key. Adele at the microphone. They were horrible. And then the woman's voice was screaming, and then the man's voice was screaming, and I'm going, really? And then, what am I reading? Love your neighbor as oh, yourself. Ouch! People, that hurts. That just hurts. But if I can take that and I can love them, and I did. And you know what? I want to tell you, here was the miracle. I don't sleep like Jim does. And then he wakes up and life is great and we're ready to go and boom, boom, boom. No, I did sleep through the entire night. I have no idea when the karaoke stopped. It was in my head. I have no idea where the poom, 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 poom stopped. But I slept. And I woke up this morning and I was ready to go. We can break the fear dance when we put these into practice. God's going to put those situations in our lives. But what I can do is also turn that around and go, okay, so guess what? <laughs> when Jim does his stuff that makes me want to do my fear dance in the opposite direction, you know, it's really not that bad. It's not as bad as that horrible karaoke. I can handle it. And it has to start with an attitude, like I said, self-responsibility. Now you're going, serious, Lisa? I mean, you could have called the cops on them. I know that. That would not be being a good neighbor. That is not what I needed to do. We have tried to be a witness to our neighbors, not the kind of witness I think God wants us to have. And so I have to practice and I have to own responsibility for, I could get very upset about this, I could let it ruin my evening, or I could use it as an excuse to not be prepared. No, no, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to trust God. Taking on that self-responsibility does not mean the situation goes away. What it means is you're ready to deal with it. And God's going to help you deal with it. And he helped me deal with it in a great way. I don't always want those examples, but God always does seem to give them to us. Well, you've got the ability to choose. That's the whole point. I needed to choose what I was going to do. This never became more real to me than when I was raising our children. We have two. We have a beautiful daughter who is two and a half years older than our gorgeous son. And the two of them together are absolutely, I call them, my treasure and my heart for very different reasons. God gave me my daughter as my treasure. She is organized. She is amazing. She keeps me on the straight and narrow all the time. She is totally like her dad. And then my son. He's my heart. He's my passionate one. He's emotional. If I give, let me, let me just sum it up for you. Christmas morning. Here you go, Tyler. Here's your present. Rips it open. Huge enthusiasm. I love it. I, oh, it's exactly what I wanted. And he runs into his room and he puts it on and he comes back and we take a picture and he hugs us. This is my daughter. Here, honey, here's your present. Perfectly unwraps it. Oh, thank you. Puts it back in the box and puts it under the tree. True? True. Absolutely yeah. true. And for someone like me, I'm going, oh, Christina, you don't like it. Mom, I like it. But it's what you asked for. Mom, I love it. Honey, could you show me that you like it? Okay, now right then, I would be making the mistake. Because it's not her. He's going to do the very same thing when I give him the present. 
the very same thing. And I'm going to jump up and down and make a big deal and do exactly what Tyler did. But those two were my God-given responsibility. Lisa, how are you going to raise them? And this is what I had to do. The one who got overjoyed about the gift was very compliant. He was obedient. He was going to do what I said just because I told him to do it. He really didn't need another reason. That was it. He just wasn't going to make any trouble. He's still that way. Doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. Going to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do, my other one. <laughs> James Dobson never even knew a kid like that when he wrote The Strong-Willed Child. Never even saw a girl coming at him like Christina. She gave me a run for my money from the day she was born. And so this is what would happen when the two of them grew up. She would aggravate him super quiet because, remember, she's the quiet one. And then he would try to take it, try to take it, try to take it. And eventually he was done. Oh, stop it. And he would hit her. Then she didn't come running to me. <laughs> he came running to me out of guilt. Mom, I'm sorry. What happened? I hit Christina. You're coming to me to tell me that you, Christina's not telling, no, mom. She exasperates me. And if you don't think he used that word, he did. He knew it. He knew it at a very early age. Because we told him over and over, Tyler, it is all about your reaction. Do you understand that if you would have come to me when she was doing that, I would only be disciplining one person right now, your sister, because she is wrong. She is going to get disciplined. But now I'm disciplining too. Because you hit her. And you can't do that. You have to be responsible for your actions. That's the key here. I have to be responsible to the way that Jim reacts to me. And the way that I react to him. It may not always be my choice what he's doing. And I may not always like it. But it's all about my reaction to him. What am I going to do? 2 Corinthians tells us this. We can demolish arguments. Demolish them. Okay, I love words. It's my love language. Demolish, that means literally tear it down to where it's like what we saw in Coffee Park yesterday. It's just ashes. Mm. That's it. It's just ashes. You can demolish those. You can demolish every. Every pretension that sets itself up, anything and everything, it doesn't say some, it doesn't say the easy ones, it says every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's all about what we do. So friends, today I want us to consider this. You and I are truly the CEOs of our life. We are in control of what we do. Sometimes you just need to make a declaration and it should be like this. Dear God, today I am just giving up my expectations. I'm not going to allow other people. I'm not going to allow places or situations or arguments or anything that happens to me today take any place in my life except you. I am the CEO of my life and I can take control of it. Hmm. Good words. 
So now that we understand that we're the CEO of our lives and we have control about how we react to other people and events and what happens to us, the next step for us is how can we become the safe people that other people need? How can you and I become a safe person? And there's basically five steps for how that's going to happen. How can you and I become a safe person? First question is, what is a safe person? When you think of a person in your life that's safe to talk to, when you look forward to talking with them, when you look forward to seeing them, chances are they're a safe person. Why? Because when you go up to them, you're not going to feel criticized. You're not going to feel ridiculed. You're not going to be put down. You don't feel like you're going to be judged or condemned or rejected by them. You're going to be accepted and loved for who you are. Yeah, they may not agree with everything you say, but you always know that they are going to be in your corner. So uh, a safe person is one in whose presence you feel loved and cared for. So what's the first step in becoming a safe person? This is an unusual first step. You're going to hear this and you're going to say, huh? I don't get it. The first step is respect the wall. I'm not talking about the Mexican border. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought about when I read that. I said, what? Are we to get into politics here? No, respect the wall. Now, what do I mean by respecting the wall? Well, none of us wants a relational wall built up between us and somebody else. But a relational wall is usually because of the past, because we have hurt each other, because we've said offensive things to each other or done something that really disappoints it, us to, to the other person, we have this lack of trust. We have this perhaps lack of respect or lack of connection. And when that happens, usually some kind of a relational barrier or a wall goes up. And it's not that hard. You guys know each other well enough that when you're in a friendship or a relationship as close as marriage, you know when there's a wall up with somebody. How you doing? Fine. What do you want to do, Dave? I don't care. You know, and it's, it's very, it's like when she gets quiet, I know I really did something bad. You know, when she's talking a lot, when she's even animated and even upset or angry, I would rather have that than the silence because the silence is like, oh, wow, we're past DEFCON 5 here. Now she's going into the silent mode. So, and that's maybe a part of her fear dance. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to, or maybe you're saying I'm just going to practice self-control by not saying anything that I might regret, right? So we have that. And the idea of respecting the wall is to say, obviously, something's happened in our relationship. I've either done something or said something, or maybe there's something I should have done or said that I didn't do. And uh, that disappointment or that hurt has built up a wall. There's not as much trust. There's not enough connectivity. And instead of trying to break down the wall, instead of trying to say, hey, what's the matter with you? Uh, say, come on, lighten up, you know, open up, you know, what's, what's your problem? Instead of attacking the person for having the wall, is ju is, it's just so much better to respect the wall and saying, and, and saying, my job now is I need to figure out how to develop trust. I need to develop uh, a better relationship. I need to, to, to treat them as I would want to be treated. You know, somebody said in our prayer meeting today, it was awesome. It says, you know, the best thing is, is go out there and treat somebody else the way that Jesus treats you. You know, we do that and we're going to start having safer relationships. So the relational wall just gets built uh, by people who feel threatened and unsafe. And respecting the wall means that you know that you have to build some trust back with that person.
And so the idea is treat them with grace, treat them with love, treat them with integrity, keep your word to them, keep your promises, and the wall will start coming down. And that's the first step in developing a safe relationship. Step one, because like Jim said, I think that's not the one that we would expect. Walls are built for what? Protection. Way back to the ancient of times, study the word of God. They built walls around their cities. It was to keep others out. So in a relationship, it's not our first go-to. Whoop, let's build a wall. But those walls are there. And the problem is when we don't recognize them. And so instead of taking a bulldozer to it and trying to break that wall down by force, pushing them into making them communicate and talk with us, we have to find ways out for they themselves to start taking down brick by brick mm -hmm. those walls that are being built up. That's, That's right. when we're going to have healthy, good, and right relationships. So that brings us to number two, to honor them. And I think that just perfectly goes hand in hand with those walls. Honor them. Show them respect. Let them know that you care. Jim and I have an incredible... Um, way of saying it, and I, I know it wasn't originated with us, it was told to us in our very early years of marriage. We went on the mission field with two very, very tiny young babies, and we had only been married about four, four and a half years. Tyler was only four weeks old. Now you go, oh, that's so tiny to take to the field. Yes, but I was thanking God that he was born stateside because I did not want to deliver him on the field. Christina was only two and a half. So to be able to figure out how we were going to go through a, an extremely stressful situation, a wonderful situation, I'll tell you hands down right now, I loved raising my kids on the mission field total blessing from God. But at that point, I couldn't see it. All I knew is I was leaving everything, everything that was comfortable. And I was going to raise my babies. Basically, I felt by myself, Jim and I and the world. That was it. It wasn't an easy thing to do. But we needed to learn to honor and to respect each other. And that is so huge to say, okay, in a stressful situation, I mean, this is it. If you ask me who I am in a great situation, I can come out on every psychological test known to man. By the way, try to go on the mission field and you'll know more about yourself than you ever wanted to because they really make sure you're not crazy before they send you. I didn't want to know that much about myself, <laughs> but I found it out. I'm a supporter giver on every single one. Hi, hi, hi. That's what I love. Front row, praying for my husband, supporting him, loving him, encouraging him. That's my happy place. That's where I am when it isn't stressful. When it's stressful, I turn into a different creature. And so does Jim. And so do you. And stresses come in at all different levels. In fact, we're talking about this and what makes you angry. And we see so much anger out there outside these walls. Why? Because we all have it in one fashion or another. And so honoring and respecting others, thinking of them first, is really the way that we're going to be able to help them break down those walls that keep that relationship from being everything God wants it to be. Love each other with genuine affection. Genuine. Now, you may be really good at faking it. I'm not. What you see is what you get. So there is not a second of my relationship with Jim or my children or my family, my sisters, my mom, dad, that could ever, ever happen 
that they don't know what I am feeling. It's all right here. I don't know how to fake it, but I love that God knows my heart. And that's what it says in Samuel. God examines the heart. He knows the heart of our intent and who we are. But that he's calling us to love each other genuinely, with genuine affection, and then take delight in honoring each other. You cannot be a grumpy Gus and do that. (laughs) I'm sorry, you just can't. You have to have a smile on your face. There needs to be joy. It doesn't need to be, nor it should not be as big as mine. That is just not good. But you should always be able to have the joy of the Lord. Seriously. Love each other with genuine affection. It's not fake. And take delight in honoring each other. I know that you already know how that feels. I do. Words are one thing, but think about it. When you do something like yesterday, serve day, You feel that. You feel it like that. Your first thought is, I don't want to get up. It's early. It's a Saturday. I don't get that many Saturdays. I don't want to. And you go. And you just go. And then this starts to happen. You start to feel genuine about serving. You start to love that person. You don't even know them. I only got to meet one of the teachers yesterday. I didn't even know the other ones, but I love them already. And it was delight to honor them and to serve them. That's what happens when you serve the homeless like you do. When you come early and you do the greeting ministry or you're up here leading worship or you're back there and we love you in the sound booth and making it look good on the screen, you are doing just this. This is what happens. It's a natural result. So I want to share what someone shared with me a very long time ago. When you don't feel loving, do something loving. That's it. It is simple. But I'm telling you, I've had to do that a lot. And those words have never left me. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I want to say, that's not the way I wanted you to do it. That's not what I like. Stop. Pray. Because that's the only way we're going to get the strength to do it. And do something loving. Try Try to see the other person as God sees him or her. God does not see one single creature that he has created as anything but precious and valuable. That's it. That's how you and I need to see each other. Oh, I don't like that they're begging. I mean, come on. Everybody should work for what they get. Let me have your eyes to see that person, God. Let me have your ears to hear what they're saying, God. Let me have your heart to love them, God, like you love them, because to you, they are precious and they are valuable. Oh no, God, you would not let Jim talk to me like that. You would not, in fact, it wouldn't be talk. Sorry, that would be me. It would be, you're not gonna let him turn around and pretend like nothing happened. That cannot possibly be the way that you want me, your precious, valuable girl, to be treated. Yes, but Lisa, he is as precious and valuable to me as you are. Love him like I love him. See him like I see him. The only thing that I can say to this is we have to ask that very thing that I just shared with you every time those feelings come up in us. God, give me your eyes to see them. Give me your ears to hear them. And give me your heart to love them.
And then I challenge you with this. If it's a very difficult relationship, one that I like to call sandpaper, okay, now we don't have enough time for me to bring up a piece of coal and tell you what's going to happen to that coal when it's constantly refined. You know. Some of you are wearing them on your finger. It turns into a beautiful diamond because that's what we all need. We all have those rough edges that need to be softened. Mm -hmm. And gentle words do that. Compassion and caring do that. Not when we grind each other and we wear each other down. That's not going to accomplish the gem and the jewel that God desires for all of us to be. I challenge you to do this. Make a list. And if you don't want to write it down, make it in your head. Put it wherever and say, what is it that is good about them? What do they do that I like? And I challenge you, there's something. I promise. You're thinking about that person. I know you are. The minute I said it, there's nothing. There's not one thing I can say about this person. Well, <clears throat> I got called into accountability recently. Don't know if he'll ever hear this, but that passionate, loving son of mine, no one on this earth calls me into accountability like he does. No one. Yeah, he's warm and fuzzy. Yes, he gives me hugs that are the best in the whole wide world and I never want to let go. But he also calls me into accountability faster than anyone else because he knows me because he does the same things. And I was telling him there is no way. Tyler, you do not know this person. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And he said, all right, mom, stop. Find the one good thing about that person. There's something. I said, I don't think so. I don't think so. He said, yeah, there is. In fact, take the bad thing that you're feeling right now and turn it around. You'll find something good. And you know what? I did. I did. And those are the tough relationships, but you can always find something good. But make those lists of those people that you love. I have to be honest with you. The list that I have about Jim, why I fell in love with him in the first place, that list holds strong. And it is the reason that I was attracted to him. What I saw in him, his heart for God and his humility and the way that he was so drawn to people, no matter what their stage or class was in life. Those are the reasons that still are the bedrock of our relationship and why I love him. I can always go to that list. I have that same list for my son. And when I get irritated, I look at all those traits. And before I know it, I'm melting. I have that same list for my daughter. Now, I don't have those lists for my grandkids yet because they're still perfect. But anyway, you need to make a list. Make a list of their good qualities and try to see that other person as God sees him or her. All right. So that's honoring others. The first step was to um, uh, respect the wall, right? If there's a, if there's a problem in, the, in your relationship, respect that. Try to win their trust back. Don't try to break down the wall. Or like you said, don't try to bulldoze that person into saying, oh, come on, lighten up. <laughs> I've tried that. I can tell you it doesn't work. Uh, number two, honor the other person, which is what Lisa just talked about. Number three, the third step in how to become a safe person is to suspend judgment. Suspend judgment. It doesn't mean that we are, we're, we are actually called by God to judge in a way. Called by God to judge in the sense of we're, we're supposed to discern between right and wrong. And when I say suspend judgment, it doesn't mean that, that nothing that they ever say or do is wrong. Because that's not true. 
But the idea of building a safe relationship is you're suspending judgment. Instead of only looking for the bad, only seeing their negative traits, only looking at the person critically, like what are all their faults? And that's so easy to do. Instead of just looking for them and all their faults, try to suspend that and to get curious and to get fascinated about what you like about that person. It's very interesting how a person will drop their guard if they really believe that somebody cares about them, that somebody's interested in them, that somebody is fascinated by them. Perhaps think about like when you were in the early part of your, your relationship with somebody, when there was this infatuation sta uh, stage and there was everything that they said was magical. Everything that came out was like music coming out of their mouth. And they were so beautiful, nothing they could say was ever wrong, right? So have that attitude. If you say, I am so curious, I want to learn more about you. I don't know you as well as I would like to know you. 33 years of marriage, I still have a lot to learn. And by the way, she's not the same woman that I married 33 years ago, right? She's a better version of herself than she was 33 years ago. And I hope that 33 years later, I'm not the same person that I was at age 21 when I said, I do. I hope I've grown up a little since then, a little more maturity, a little more circumspection, a little more wisdom in life, a little more love and less you know, judgment and stuff. So it's the whole idea where we're both changing and let's appreciate and value and suspend judgment and stop looking so critically at all the negative traits and focus on some of the positive traits that we see in the other person because Here's what happens. I mean, back to the wall, right? How does the wall go up in the first place? When a person feels judged, what do they do? They, they close down. They, they put the wall up. They, they pull up the gate and, you know, throw out the alligators in the moat. And they say, no trespassing, right? Because they, they don't feel loved and cared for. They feel judged and criticized and put down. And, and here's the good thing. When you suspend judgment and you show genuine interest and curiosity... You're helping to create a safe environment for love to flourish, for your relationship to flourish. So the idea is instead of, I want to say this because I see this negative in you and I want to call it out and I want to point it out and I want you to change it right now, you know, suspend some of that judgment, look for the positive to create that safe environment because it doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything, but you can appreciate the positive traits in the other person. And you do that by suspending judgment. There's a, there's a, a passage in Philippians. It's a beautiful passage. It's one of those relational passages. When you think Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church and it was, it was a church that he had very little criticism for. It was one of the greatest churches in Paul's missionary career up there in northern Greece. And they supported him throughout his missionary career. He's actually writing him a thank you note, this Philippian letter, for them sending financial support to Paul while he's in the prison in Rome. So besides all the thank yous, he's, he's talking to them and he's uh, commending them for the way that they love and show genuine affection to each other. And then he says these words. He says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. That's what humility does. It doesn't mean that I have no value. It just means that I value the other people too. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. When we start looking to the interest of others and getting curious about them, getting fascinated about them, they're going to feel that love and affection, and they're going to start lowering the wall, 
of, of self-protection and they're going to start opening up more and we're going to start to feel more connected. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. So suspend judgment. Suspend judgment. And that leads perfectly into point number four. Because in point number four, it says value the differences. Viva la difference. Now, I know he's not in this service, but that was for Jim Tisthammer. That's what he did yesterday when we handed him this giant thing of paper towels, and they happened to be vivas, and he just couldn't stop. So, but, but truly, it's perfect for this time. Celebrate the differences. I think it was probably 15 years ago or so, I was speaking at a women's conference and I got asked to share on relationships. And I thought, oh, <laughs> and I apologize, ladies, but to women, ooh, no, I don't want to. That's just, oh, because you know what? No one's going to agree. They're all going to have their version of what's right and what's wrong. And you know, I've been a pastor's wife too long and I'm just gonna tell you right now, I don't fit the mold. I just don't. I am, I, you know, I used to say, I don't play the organ or the piano or do counted cross stitch. I'm sorry, I, I don't. Those aren't the gifts God's given me. It took me years to understand God speaking into my life going good. Because I didn't make you like that. He made me like this. And if he calls me to be used for his glory and his kingdom, then this is what you get. And this is what I get. Much harder than you learning to accept it is me truly learning to accept and value myself. I had to realize while I don't fit the mold, I am exactly who God made me to be. And with a lot of prayer, with sincere humility to bow my knees and my face to him and to read his word and to get the truth and value out of it that speaks to me, I have to live in that giftedness because he created me and God does not make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I do. I make many but God never does. And so celebrating the differences. So about 15 or 20 years ago, I did get asked to speak on this very topic. And so I decided to title it this. Westerns versus chick flicks. Couldn't be more different. One would be Jim's favorite. I could have put action. I could have put I don't know what those other ones are, Star Wars, all that stuff that people are into. But I could have said anything, but the point was different. If you gave Jim the choice of what movie he was going to see, it's going to be the opposite of the kind of movie I want to see. Why? Because the chick flick speaks to who I am. It's warm, it's fuzzy, it's cute. We all got together at our Galentine's and we watched one of my favorites. And that's a chick flick, Ever After. And she was a strong woman who learned incredible things about herself and what she could do and then what she could offer to others. I love that. Jim's like, yeah, you know what? I just want to see one of those westerns, one of those action movies where, a you movie know. called Open Range. Now, that's a movie. There you go. That's a movie. Now, I've watched that with him. It's not one of my top favorites. I have to say it's good, but it's not one of my top favorites. But he's also watched the chick flicks with me. But is he supposed to love those? Are those supposed to be his favorites? No. 
That's not who God made him to be. Celebrate the differences. Now, where this comes in to our lives, to what God's telling us and how to have safe relationships is key. This has made all the difference for me. When someone is different from me, they are not wrong. They're just different. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's so simple and it's so huge. When we can learn to love each other with our differences, and friends, boy, if we mature and get to the place where those differences start to penetrate us and make us better, that's when you get mm -hmm. a great relationship. Celebrate the differences. It's all about not rights and wrongs, but differences. We learn to balance each other. Wow, that's that beautiful word that I'm sorry, our culture doesn't know much about. We scream for it. We think getting time alone away is going to give it to us, but it's not. Time alone with God will. Learning to celebrate each other will. And saying, you know what? I may not get you at all, but I can still love you. I can still care about you. I can still show compassion. I can still be to you exactly who God wants me to be. I can celebrate the differences. Now, this is where it comes. The movies was just fun. Chick flicks versus Westerns. That was just fun. The ladies loved it. It was great. God gave me the title. But the reality comes when it hits home and it hurts. Okay, so Jim and I, one of the biggest differences we share is how you vacation. Okay, we don't get much of it, but when we do, I'd like to at least lay by maybe one pool for an hour and maybe go to one beach and actually not run and jog on it, which is what we do, but lay on it and watch the waves roll in. Oh, no, 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 no. We've taken two main vacations in our lives alone with no children. First one was our honeymoon. It was given it to was us. It was good. There were no children. No, no kids yet. It was given. Yeah, we didn't even. We went on that one and didn't even so feel had, guilty. We, we had the right order. We got married <laughs> and then the kids. Yeah, we didn't even feel guilty on that one because we didn't have to worry about leaving them at home. So we gave. We got it as a gift from Jim's mom. Eight gorgeous days in Hawaii. We got to go to Maui and we got to go to Kauai. I have hiked every hike on both islands. I have ridden every bike trail on both islands to this day. I have never laid by a pool or sat, sat by the ocean. True? I do tend Mostly to exaggerate. Yeah. I am not exaggerating. Now, that was in the beginning of our relationship. <laughs> I didn't really know any better. <laughs> That's just what we did. Did I have fun? Of course I did. Did we have a great time? Did I see all of both islands? I did, but I didn't relax. So we came home to our fast-paced, busy life, and fast forward to our 20th anniversary. We were both leading a mission trip to London where we were going to work directly with Muslims there. We were going to share the gospel. And we were partnering with great teams in London, and so we took this big team with us from the church that we were at, and... At the end of that, the leaders at the church were so great, and they said, you know what? You're in London already. We know that you've always had a desire to go to Italy. Wouldn't cost you that much to go from Heathrow into the airport in Milan. 
and we in Rome first and then left from Milan. Okay, so here's the deal. Not a very large country, Italy, very beautiful, not very big. Okay, so we landed in Rome and we went the entire way all by ourselves down the entire country to Milan where we were leaving the next morning bright and early to go back to the Heathrow Airport and fly back home. And so we had a decision to make. Were we going to drive to Lake Como, which Jim wanted to do, which would have taken the whole rest of the day, or were we actually going to stay in Milan and finally see a city? We stayed. Because by that time, we had gone to how many cities? I can't name them all. Oh, seven or eight yeah, or nine. Yeah, seven or eight. And we drove ourselves, oh, no tour bus for this man. And we had to find our way through. It was fun. It was a great adventure. But you can see there are differences. We both love to hike. We both like to bike. We both like to run. But we have a little bit of a difference when it comes to could we now relax for an hour or two? And Jim would say, never, no. But we have learned that we have to celebrate the differences. So I have a choice to make. Back to this self-responsibility. Do I get mad? Do I say, you've ruined my vacation. You've ruined my only time. I'll get to go to Italy. How dare you? Or do I say, Jim, we're staying in Milan. Because if we go to Como, we're going to drive all the way there, drive all the way back, and all we're going to do is see what flies by our window. We're going to stay. And we compromise. I told her we might run into George Clooney at Lake Como, but she didn't yeah, buy no. it. No, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't care. <laughs> didn't even care. So what we have to realize is that these are not rights and wrongs. They are just differences. And believe me, on my honeymoon, then 20 years later, I had figured out a lot more and Jim had figured out a lot more too. We could learn how to vacation and how to do it well together. You can value the differences in the other person. And when you do, you are creating a safe place so that when we do go away it feels good it feels safe it doesn't mean we agree on everything he's still going to want to go to Lake Como but it's still going to be okay and we're still going to get along if we stay in Milan yeah so point number five and then I'm going to wrap this up because time is running out here is is be trustworthy is is that's a great key to a safe relationship with someone is to be trustworthy keep your word to them you make a promise to them do everything you can to keep your promise. That's going to start building the trust up with them. So be trustworthy worthy to them, but also be trustworthy to yourself. Now, what do I mean by that? How do you be trustworthy to yourself? Well, I'm to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm to love my neighbor as myself. I'm supposed to have certain values about love and grace and truth and dignity and things like that. So I'm never to do anything just, you know, just for the sake of the relationship. I'm, I'm not necessarily to violate my own conscience, but I'm supposed to stay trustworthy to myself. So I can still keep my own values and, and yet not violate that relationship with you. So it's, it's easy to talk about. It's hard to do, but be trustworthy. Be trustworthy to yourself and keep your, your own values, but also be trustworthy to you so that you know when I, when I tell you something, I'm going to do my best to keep my word unless I lose my cell phone and then I can't get out of... That was our last time when we got into uh, uh, something because I couldn't communicate with her because I couldn't find the cell phone. So that was just one thing. 
Hey, uh, one thing I did want to say to you is we want to be the kind of people that God uh, can use to build safe relationships with others. And if you think about it in our life and in all the relationships that we have on this planet, who is the person that models the best kind of relationship that we could possibly have with someone? And the answer is, hands down, I'd like to say it's her, and most of the time it is, but the one who never lets me down, the one who never uh, uh, doesn't keep his word to me, the one who never uh, accepts me when I come to him in humility and confession, that person is Jesus. He is the person that we always want to be like. When I mess up and I hope that someone will forgive me and will not hold a grudge against me, I remember Jesus because he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us when we weren't even going toward him. We were going away from him. That's grace. I want someone who's going to listen to me and hear me when I call. I don't want somebody to put up the wall and say, well, I, I'm not ready to talk to you right now because I'm mad at you. You know, who is the person that we can always go to and listen to us when we call? Hebrews 4 says, so let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. God is always there for us. We can always count on him to listen to us when we call. I want someone who will free me from my past mistakes. Someone who doesn't hold a grudge. Somebody who doesn't keep a record of all the wrong things that I've done. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, that's what love does. That's what God's love for us does. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't hold a grudge. And, and the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. He's, he doesn't hold our sins. He throws it into this lake and he says, no fishing, right? All the bad things we've done. The lake of forgiveness, there's no dredging it back up. And God never does that for us. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that's the kind of relationship I want. Not gonna, that's not gonna uh, hold my past and keep condemning me for all my mistakes that I've made. I want someone who's gonna help me become a better person right? A best version of myself that shows me a better way to live. And Jesus says this, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When we embrace Christ, when we take on his teachings, when we try our best to practice them and confess our shortcomings to God when we don't, when we do all that, he makes us free if the sun sets you free, Jesus says, you will be free indeed. That is the best kind of relationship to have. That's where all good relationships begin, is first we get right with God. I don't know if you're in that personal relationship with God right now. Maybe you're just exploring the Christian faith. Maybe you haven't yet crossed that line of personal faith in Jesus. But I totally urge you, recommend you do that because once you get right with God, he now gives us the, the love, the acceptance, and the grace to have better relationships with those whom we want to. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we recognize above all that we need you and we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you that you reached out to us even when we weren't even looking to you. 
that you loved us when we were very unlovable, that when we deserve nothing but punishment and estrangement from a holy God, you came in on our behalf and you took our place in dying the wages of sin when you gave your life for us on the cross. And so, Lord, today we embrace you and we say yes to following you. We ask you to forgive us from all of our sins. We ask you to turn, help us to turn over a new leaf in life, to start this day afresh and to be those new creations that you make us to be through a saving relationship with your son, Jesus. So thank you for Jesus. Thank you that, that through faith in him, we can have eternal life. We can have a fresh start. We can have the ability to start anew and to become a brand new person that you made us to be, the best version of ourselves in your son, Jesus. Help us to walk in his ways and to practice the kind of relational skills that he models for us in the gospels. Lord, we love you and we lift up these prayers to you in Jesus' name, amen.